Teen workers are a real benefit for many businesses, especially in entry-level and seasonal minimum wage positions. But how can you leverage their strengths and passions without going crazy compensating for the myriad of conditions you have working with them? I'll share my top five tips to work with and leading teen employees. And that's coming up next on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business so you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to Experience Leadership. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert, and master of experiences, Mark Hain. And in this episode, I'd like to uncover some tips, tricks, and techniques to leverage the powerhouses that are teen workers without you having to pull out your hair. And we'll get to that in just a minute. I have three favors to ask. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, why don't you go ahead and take a moment and do so. When you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get notification whenever I bring you some fresh content and you stay, first and foremost, you become the first person basically to get the details of the episode. If you can, could you please leave a review? Every once in a while, I like to follow up and know how I'm doing and if this is fulfilling a need. As you can well imagine, you know, I'm sitting in my office all by myself recording this episode with no feedback whatsoever. So it gets really tough to figure out if I'm on the right track. If you leave me a review, I get to learn from it. I get to find out what's important to you and I can adjust accordingly. And lastly, please go ahead and share this episode on social media. My thought is if you find this information useful, someone else out there might as well. So if you can go ahead, share this on social media, and why don't you go ahead and tag me with the hashtag experience leadership. I'll keep an eye out for the, that hashtag. And who knows, maybe this turns into a conversation that benefits everybody. There is absolutely no doubt that there are many benefits to having teen workers in our business. They work shorter hours. It's a way for us to be able to fill out summer employment, seasonal businesses where we might get peaks in our businesses and we need the extra manpower. And of course, staff vacations, being able to trade off our full-time staff while they go on vacation, we have the extra help. But many employers find that teen workers have no work ethic. They find that they lack job-specific skills and lack loyalty to their employers. Add to that that for many first-time employees, they swear off staying in the industry that they were first hired in based on the experience that they had in their first jobs. So we end up losing people out of the industry altogether. So today, I'd like to provide some tips and tricks that you can use to hire and engage young workers, which brings us to our question of the day. What is your experience with teen workers? I'd love to see your comments. Why don't you go ahead and post on social media what your experience is with young teen workers and go ahead and, again, hashtag it with hashtag experience leadership. And so that way we can share it and we can get the conversation started. As a hospitality specialist, I cut my teeth in the casino industry. We had 
no minors working in the casinos. So I got a real culture shock when I started working with restaurants and hotels and the seasonally driven tourism businesses. Working with 14 to 17-year-olds really put me to the test. It really kind of challenged my expectations. It challenged my assumptions. It challenged how I led because ultimately I was working with an untrained workforce. The things I found out about the young workers, you know, they, they didn't depend on the paycheck. Yes, they took a job because they wanted to get their independence. They want to earn some money on their own right. They want to be able to buy what they want to buy. But really, at the end of the day, they weren't dependent on a paycheck. They had really high, constantly changing demands for scheduling. You put together schedules and then all of a sudden the people you hired to fulfill certain things in your schedule, all of a sudden they would come to you and say they couldn't work those shifts anymore, which created static and crisis, it seemed, more times than not. It seemed to me like work wasn't a priority for them. They had more important things they'd prefer to do. Of course, they were young workers, so things like school took priority, but also their social lives and the demands that are put on them through their parents, through other associations, and their school took priority over the working. Teen workers lacked what I perceived as common sense. They just didn't have it. You know, I remember walking in on, after training all my staff, training, 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 and I walked in on one of my employees who's at the cash register with her cell phone. And right away I thought, are you texting? And she looked at me, she goes, no, 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 I'm not texting. No, 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 customer gave me a $50 bill. I'm just calculating the change. What, isn't counting back common sense? That was the thought that went through my mind. It's like, how do you not know how to count back? But why would she know how to count back? This was her first job. And it seems like, to add insult to injury, that if teen workers aren't happy, they would jump ship in a second. If they didn't get what they wanted, they could go across the street. You know, I had one employee quit from me because she could get 25 cents across, more across the street. It didn't take her long to realize that just because you get paid more doesn't make it a better job. What I failed to realize, though, as a, as a young manager at the time, was the problem wasn't them. The problem was me. I failed to recognize that their expectations and their reality are much different than what the expectations are of my full-time staff. So today, I'd like to get into a top five countdown of tips and tricks to consider when working with minor teen workers. And we'll get to that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. We are talking about how to work with and lead teen employees. So here we go. I have a top five considerations when working with teens. Number five, we have to recognize that for many of the teen workers that are out there, this may be their very first job. Now, I know that when my kids went out for their very first job, they were just crazy nervous about every aspect of it. This is them stepping into the unknown. They have never had to fill out an application form before. They have never had to go for an interview. 
they've never had anything writing on their performance. In school, they have their performances marked, pass, fail, you know, A's, B's, C's, so on, but they don't lose anything. In this particular case, when they come in for an interview for the very first time, they don't know what to expect. They don't know what kind of questions they're going to be asking. You're going to be forcing them to think on their feet, which is something that they don't really get to do all that much. They certainly haven't been trained for it. This is the first time that they are really in the real world where failure is an option. And I know that I've talked to a lot of young workers how nervous they were about everything. My kids would question, did I fill out enough on my application form? What about this one? Do I, you know, dad, I have no past experience and is asking me for past experience. What do I put? But dad, if, if I have no past experience, will they still hire me? (laughs) Right? They don't know what to expect. This is brand new to them. This is untapped. This is virgin territory for employees. As we develop our systems, we have to understand that nobody comes in and wants to work for you because what they perceive to be a successful day is that they're going to sit and do absolutely nothing. Everybody, I believe, wants to achieve in some form or fashion. The challenge that we have with retaining and engaging these employees is a completely different issue altogether. Number four, for many, this is the first experience with teamwork and the very first time that they have a boss. So think about that for a second. The only time that they ever got to play on a team was in sports. And yes, you know, in school, they have experiential exercises and projects where they have to do hands-on with their co-students, with their the people in their class. They have to complete group projects. But this is not the same thing as being on a team at work. The thing is, is even when they do projects or play on a team, there's very little teamwork training being done. So some people would say, oh, you know what? I, I hire people. You know, I would prefer if I had a football player or a swimmer, I would definitely hire the football player because they've been on a team before. But that's for football. That's not for work. Even in sports and in school, they have a lot to learn. I mean, they have skills that they need to understand and they need to apply. Communication skills, for instance, being able to speak consistently with respect, being able to verbalize whatever the the issue is, being able to communicate forward. And this includes ability to be able to actively listen to understand and not listen to respond. And all too often, like when my daughter was working at the grocery store, she would come home every day and I would be blown away at the frustration that she felt. She didn't feel that her supervisors listened to her. She didn't feel that other people listened to her. And I would gather that on the flip side of her transaction, you have other people who are frustrated with her and her communication skills, because this is not something that gets taught in the mainstream. And so as an employer, you have to start thinking about how will I teach my team members to communicate better? And there's something that, again, I believe that As employers, we don't really think about this. The other thing that we need to train is we need to train patience and tolerance for others. We go ahead and we might train our staff on how to deal with difficult people. But 
in their minds, they're thinking, oh, you're teaching me how to deal with my customers who are really bad. They're the, the high needs customers, the difficult customers. But then we have no application for them to be able to practice those skills with their coworkers and with their boss. And so this becomes a really big challenge. Again, as employers, what is your role in order to get them trained? I've heard the story before. You know what? If I train them, they might leave. But the big fear for me is if you don't train them, they might stay. And this is where I think we have a lot of these different work cultures that are really defective. So we have to train that as well. Number three, you need to train them about your expectations. You know, I mentioned before about this idea of common sense. This is something that I had to come to grasp with because we all know what we know. And unless you're 15 years old or 16 years old in your first job, we have no clarity on what they don't know. So we need to train them for expectations. And, and here's the thing. The expectations is not just your own personal expectations, but what about the expectations of your corporate culture? What are your expectations as far as respect? What are your expectations as far as bullying, sexual harassment, you know, too often we just expect that people will behave the, the way they're supposed to behave. You know, I remember somebody once telling me, gosh, I wish I could put in the policy manual, just treat everybody the way you'd like to be treated. But of course, all of us have different values. We have different biases. We have different experiences. I believe that all of us have this little bubble that we see life through, and that taints how we look at the world and how we deal with the world. So I think it's really important, and it's important for you as an employer to remember that you are inviting them into your culture. You put out an ad, you've done interviews, you've done, you know, screening, whatever. And then when you offer them a job, you're basically saying, I'm inviting you into my culture. And so keep in mind now, we are talking about 14 to 17 year olds in the workplace. These are minors. As far as I'm concerned, when we agree to hire People under the age of 18, we agree that they are in our care. That means we need safety standards that are on steroids that are going to protect every aspect of this young worker. I heard a issue of a 17-year-old who passed away in Ontario. He was responsible on the weekends to do the floor waxing with the big machine, and he had a floor waxer with a frayed cord, and he ended up running over it with the wet floor waxer, or whatever the technical term for the floor washers are. And he electrocuted himself. He was 17 years old. And it wasn't because nobody knew that the cord was frayed. You know, when occupational health and safety got into it, the recommendation they made is we have to train our staff. But it had nothing to do with training. What it had to do was it had to be, it's all about being present to what the dangers are in our businesses. It's all about, oh, you know, this cord's frayed. Okay, well, we'll take care of it next week. No, 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 no. If you have minors in your care, you have to take care of it now. The other aspects that I've seen in many organizations, many businesses that have young workers, is this idea of sexual harassment. Again, young people are not equipped to deal with some of the things that happen in workplaces. And I know specifically, in one location, there was a 19-year-old employee who preyed on the young workers. He found different ways to find out how to date them and so on because he had one thing in his mind. And so we need to be aware, are there any predators on our team? Is there any any difficulties, any issues with 
any of our employees and the way that they treat our young workers. This is very important. And then, of course, bullying. You know, we we sometimes think, you know, people will have to get a thick skin. I'll just get over it. But when you have an adult employee bullying young people, even something as, oh, my God, you know, I, you guys are just so immature for your age, right? That, that's putting somebody down. We must create respectful work environments that people want to come to work in every day. And that means coaching our adult employees on how to deal with them, the minor employees, with the underage employees. And then lastly is this idea of perception of favoritism. Again, we have a workforce that hasn't been trained. They haven't gone into this. A kid's perception of favoritism is, Mom, why do I have to do the dishes again? I did it yesterday. It's Steve's turn to do the dishes. Oh, that's no fair. He always gets away with it, and I never do. That's their experience with favoritism. Or the teacher hates me. That's why Steve gets better marks, because the teacher hates me. That's their whole bubble of favoritism and the perception of persecution. And so whenever a boss, whenever a supervisor has to deal with an employee, I think it's incumbent upon us to make absolutely sure that we have policies and we have follow through that is consistent and fair, regardless of the personality that we're dealing with. We cannot be perceived that we treat one person more favorably than another person. So that now brings us to number two. And we'll get to number two right after this. Every day you perform, maybe not on a stage in front of a captive audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But in your business, whether you know it or not, you are performing. Thinking about your business like you have to go out there and put on a perfect show can help create long-lasting success. And you can find out the secrets how in the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater. Author, speaker, actor, and business coach Mark Hain breaks down how you can craft a solid foundation, rehearse before you ever serve your first customer, and take action to provide an experience worthy of a standing ovation. Mark's experience running casinos, restaurants, and hotels, as well as his time in live theater, has been preparing him to help put the spotlight on your business and give it its time to shine. Order his book, Lights, Camera, Action, today at your favorite online store or directly at markhane.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. And welcome back to Experience Leadership. Today we are talking about working with and leading teenagers in our work environments, people who are brand new to the workforce. You know, if you're lucky, you hire a 17-year-old, he's had two or three jobs before you, he's had a swack of different experiences, or you might be hiring somebody who this is their very first job. And so we're talking about being a responsible employer and what we need to do in order to leverage the power and the energy that young people bring into our businesses, but doing so that it doesn't drive you absolutely bonkers. <laughs> And so we've we've counted down from five. We just finished number three. So now we are on a number two. And number two is scheduling and availability. It has got to be the number one angst for employers. You know, I remember in hotel, you know, I had part of the hotel. We had a food, food and beverage operation. We had a diner. And so as we hired people, we would get their availabilities down. And, you know, I would talk to a young person and, and he'd say, yeah, yeah, you know, I can work. It's summertime. I can work five days a week. So then you schedule them five days a week. And then about two weeks in, they come to you and go, oh, 
you know, I, I can't work five, five, it's, it's a lot of hours. I'm just too tired. I, I can't work five days a week. So then you adjust their schedule, but then they come to you and they say, oh, but you know what? I can't work on Fridays because we go out and that's when we get together with the friends and we go camping. And, and so I can't work Fridays or Saturdays and the limitations keep on going. Now, if you remember at the beginning of this broadcast, I talked to you about one of the limitations I had to figure out, which was we are not their priority. We're a nice to have. We're helping them generate some income, giving them some work experience, but we are not their priority. Take it a step further. You know, if you were to hire somebody today, their availability in a month is going to be much, much different than it is right now. In a month time, they're going to be just getting ready to go back to school and they are going to have limitations there as well. So, you know, maybe they come to you and I know that, you know, bless their hearts. Some people are just so gung ho and they're like, oh yeah, well, I'm in school. I can do three weeks. I can do three shifts a week. Yeah, yeah, I can do three shifts a week. And so if you give me a, a Saturday shift and two afternoon shifts, I could do that. And so then you go ahead and schedule it. And then they come to you and they go, oh, but you know what? Um, I can't work Wednesdays because that's when I'm going to have my soccer practice. And we have band on Tuesdays and I have dance on, on Thursdays. And my, you know, I, I can't work late on Fridays because I'm not allowed to work late on Fridays anymore. So you figure, okay, I'll schedule Saturday and Sunday. But then they come back and they go, oh, you know what? I have to, I need a day off to do my homework. And then exams come around the corner and you go, and they say, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to take time off to study. So we're constantly having to be flexible with our store, with our availabilities. I mean, we hired based on the availability they provided, but then it changes and changes and changes. We, and we have to understand that why we hire, when we hire young people, that we have to understand that their availabilities and earning expectations will change regularly. And we have to be open and flexible to that. Their personal life and school, probably in that order, are their priorities. You cannot expect somebody to ditch school to come and work for you. As much as that would be beautiful when you're in a crutch, the reality is, is that's not their priority. So we have to make absolutely sure that we have a flexible ability to schedule them in ways that will help them succeed both in school and in every aspects of whatever else they're dealing with. So it's essential, you know, it drives me crazy. And my daughter used to come home Thursday and th she would then get the schedule for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then on Sunday, she'd get the schedule for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, she gets, you know, and it's like, why aren't they posting so much more further in advance? And I realize some of the arguments will be, oh, well, if I post two weeks in advance, I'll have to change it. But then part of the process that we need to have is we need to have a process to make the teenagers accountable as well. We have to, I'm not saying, you know, everything that we've been talking about today is not to work with teenagers and create a lack of accountability. Not at all. I think if anything, what we want to do is we want to create accountability on top of accountability on top of accountability. We want to make them responsible employees. So, you know, having things in place, for instance, like you make a commitment that you're going to post schedules two weeks in advance, then they can request somebody to take their shift. So the only time that that I've never insisted on that is when they've called in sick, which, you know, I'll tell you honestly, I mean, I've had people who pulled, pulled my string and called in sick when they weren't sick in order to get out of a shift. And, you know, that's going to happen. But you know what? The secret is that also happens with the adult workers. It does. So with the teenagers, if you can respect the fact that they have needs and you build that in, then, you know, you can say if you post two hour, two weeks in advance, you could say, you know what, you can request time off 
two and a half weeks before your schedule shifts, before I post a schedule. So request all the time off that you want. And so we hire and we create a workforce that's able to be flexible around our scheduling. And we do the work. We end up having to do the work to make sure that we can give people the time off that they request. If, however, they come to me after the schedule is posted, the onus is on them to find somebody to take their shift. And again, I am in full control. As the manager, I am in full control of who gets the shift. That means if they go to a full-time employee and they say, hey, could you take my shift? Then it's going to force them into overtime. I decide whether or not I'm willing to put somebody into overtime and pay them overtime for the benefit of the employee who needs that time off. So by being able to do that and being able to turn around and say, you know what, I'm terribly sorry, you know, that's going to force them into five hours of overtime. We cannot accept that. You're going to have to find somebody who will not be going into overtime and then let the cars roll where they are. Now, again, I think it's really important to highlight and to reinforce. I am not talking about absolving them of responsibility. I'm talking about creating accountabilities and a fair structure that you hold everybody to that standard. Right? So as you move forward, when it comes down to scheduling, like I said, I spend a lot of time on this right now because... Like I mentioned, this is probably the number one angst among employers when it comes down to young workers. So before we get to number one, I just want to reaffirm with you. I hope this is of value to you. Maybe you can share this. Maybe you can use the hashtag experience leadership in social media, and maybe we could start a discussion. I'd love to know what you think about these ideas. You know, some people will turn around and say, Mark, you are absolutely for the birds. There's no way I'm investing that much time and attention on my teenage staff. I would rather just hire adults and call it a day. Fair enough. You know what? We have casinos who operate with no minors whatsoever. It's entirely up to you. However, you know what? If you need help, I do have a standing offer that you are free to take me up on it. And that is 30 minutes of my time with you and your supervisory team to brainstorm the challenges that you have. I am willing to put myself out there for 30 minutes absolutely for free with no strings attached. All you have to do is you have to go to the link that's in the show notes there. It has my calendar link. That is the one that's marked meetme.so slash Mark Hain. And of course, Mark is with a C. And you can book 30 minutes of on my calendar for absolutely for free. And I'm all yours for a full 30 minutes, probably plus tax, because that's the way I roll. But having said that, be more than happy to discuss with you what your challenges are, and maybe I can throw some unique thoughts your way. Okay, so on to number one. So my number one recommendation, and to my knowledge, every time I mention this to people, I blow their minds. Nobody does this. And it's like, I don't understand why nobody does this. Owners and managers feel like they're on their own the best of times, right? When you put these policies together, you're working hard to make sure you have balanced schedules. You're making sure that you're doing everything you possibly can for your team worker and that sort of thing. And you feel like you're all by yourself. You feel that they have all the power. These teen workers, they show up, they don't show up, they work, they don't work, whatever it is. You feel they have all the power and I'm, I'm hooped holding the rope. But you're not hooped and you're not on your own. In many circumstances... You have somebody in your corner that you can leverage. Someone who has a vested interest in the success of that particular team. Can you believe it? It's not just you who's invested in this. There's somebody else as well. You know who it is? Are you ready? Their parents. 
I know. My number one tip is that when you interview a teen for a position, when you decide that you want to hire this person, make time to meet their parents. It's a perfect opportunity for you to turn around and say, hey, uh, hi, Mr. Smith. Yes, I am getting, I'd love to offer Johnny a position with, with my store. Do you have any concerns about Johnny working for me? Do you have any considerations? Is there anything that I should be aware of when it comes for, to Johnny working here? What kind of availability would you like Johnny to work? Like how many hours a week would you think is fair for him to work? That's not going to sacrifice. What do you need from me to make sure that you know that Johnny is going to be safe working for me? Just that conversation alone will create all these green flags in the, in the minds of the parents that you are going to be somebody that they can trust. You are going to be somebody that their child is going to be working with who cares about the child. And so when that child turns around on a Saturday after they were out the night before, they were up all night playing video games or whatever, and they wake up on a Saturday morning and they're like, uh, I don't want to go to work today. I'm <laughs> sick. You have somebody in that household to turn around and said, you know what? I met your boss. And he, they are such nice people, you're not going to do this to them. You're going to get out and you're going to get to work. And it's amazing having that kind of leverage, that follow through. When the child goes home after a bad day at work, which, you know, we're all going to have bad days. We have good days. We have bad days. When they go home and they have a bad day at work, you have somebody over there who knows who you are, that if a concern is really big, that they won't be afraid to pick up the phone and call you and say, Mark, you know what? I think you might have a problem because this is what happened or this is the story I'm being told. By talking to the parents about their concerns, about their expectations, about what they want for their child working for you, you create this clarity and you actually lessen some of the static that you get that we talked about five all the way down to two. You lessen some of those static, some of those points, especially the one about scheduling. Because as much as a kid might want 15 hours a week or 20 hours a week, the parents are turning around saying, you know what? No, they can have less than 10 hours a week because I don't want them. I don't want their schoolwork to suffer. I don't want them to suffer and so on. So you're able to create those things. And because they're minors, you are legally allowed to deal with the parents. Isn't that magical? Bet you're thankful you're listening now, right? <laughs> this whole episode, we've really been talking about defining and setting expectations. Like you, your employees want to have a great work experience. You want to have a great culture to work in that is not fraught with stress every single day. So today's tips and tricks, we will not only create a great work experience, but your investment in time and energy will help the experience that the young worker will have. It'll help them engage with who you are. It'll also help them recommend you, by the way. So when they go to school and they go, yeah, I'm working for Steve at the hardware store. Oh my God, it's such a fun place to work. Well, guess where you're all your resumes are going to come for after-school jobs, summer jobs, seasonal jobs, and so on. But on top of that, you'll be able to retain your young workers. I have had people who started with me when they were 15, and they were with me until they were 26, until they graduated university. So it does help retain those workers over the long term, which means less training dollars, less hiring dollars, and so on. On top of it all, when you create that level of environment, you engage them better, and they perform better. They perform up to your standards. And 
you maximize their contribution because as the longer they stay with you, the more knowledge they have, the more knowledge they have, the less you have to train them, the less you have to follow up to them and so on. And at the end, we will give them great memories of their very first job. I can't tell you how proud I am when I turn around to somebody now who I hired 22 years ago and I see them on social media and they said, you know, Mark, this was you hired me and it was the best job I have ever had. To this day, it is the best experience we ever had. It, I learned the most through you. And because of that, I am successful today. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we owe the young workforce today is we owe them an experience to help train them so that they become good, productive human beings in the future that they can be proud of, of their contribution. We set those expectations as how they should behave as emerging leaders in their own right, because at some point they themselves will become the leaders of tomorrow. And we have every opportunity to be able to leverage that. Folks, this is all the time that we've had today. I'd love to know what you think about today's episode. So again, I will ask you one more time, if you could subscribe to this podcast, I'd like to know that this is of benefit to you. Please go ahead and leave a review and share it on social media with the hashtag, hashtag experience leadership. Information is power, but it's only powerful as long as you share it. And again, if you have a requirement that you are banging your head against the wall and you'd like to use 30 minutes of my time, I invite you to go to the link in the show notes, the one that's marked meetme.so slash markhane, book 30 minutes on my calendar, and I'd be more than happy to sit with you and your team to discuss some of your challenges. My name is Mark Hain. I hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to markhainlive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. Or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. <laughs>